Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 40 of the Global Geek News Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hey, Jeremy. Things are going well. Yeah, that's good to hear. How's the weather down there? Um, weather's nice. Uh, we've had uh, some rain, a lot of rain this weekend. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to get some more rain in a couple of days. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice change from the the, the heat that we've been under uh, for this past summer. Yeah, I, I'm starting to kind of wish we had some of the rain. We had a lot of it there for July and I think part of August, but we it's pretty much dropped off to about nothing. But today it was nothing but major wind and of course I go off to work and leave my bedroom window open which my bedroom window is facing the backyard which is all dirt so all the whole bunch of dirt from the (laughs) backyard blew in covered my PS3 my computers my desk my 360 my bed so I've got all my comforters and pillowcases and sheets and everything that are all down in the dryer right now so it's it's been a bit of a mess to clean up yeah that sucks yeah, just a little bit. It probably wouldn't have been so bad if I had an, an extra comforter that I could use, but since I don't, I kind of needed to hurry up and run that through the dryer tonight, because otherwise I just got an electric blanket and some other blankets, and as long as I got the electric blanket, it's not bad, but now it's starting to get around freezing at night, and I like to keep my window open, so I like to at least have a comforter. Oh, wow. Our lows are still in the 70s. <laughs> Yeah, we we hit freezing or below a couple of times last week, but I I think it's warmed up a little bit now. Uh, I I'm glad the freezing temperatures are finally here. Although I still have the air conditioner in, and I probably need to see about getting that out sometime soon. Wow, I don't I don't think it's gonna. Wow, I I don't even know when it's supposed to get that cold. Uh, we usually get our maybe a hard freeze. Maybe the beginning of January-ish? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably about normal time for us. It was September, October, somewhere right around there. Yeah, it doesn't even start to get what we called cold <laughs> until the end of October, which is like uh, where the highs are probably going to be in the 70s. The lows are in the, the 50s. Hmm. Uh, well... They're calling for a real cold winter here, so I'm hoping that quite doesn't happen, but at the same time, I don't mind cold weather. It's just my car tends to make more noise than it needs to in cold weather. But anyway, I would say we have a rather full show today. Um, Speaking of which, you can follow along at the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. And don't forget to check out the blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog. And don't forget, we do have a contest running running for so that you can win a copy of Windows 7 Ultimate, the 32-bit, not 64. Um, more details on that in either in the show notes or we'll talk about it more at the end of the show, but you can find out more on that at globalgeeknews.com. Uh, and as of right now, if you enter, your odds are pretty good, because last time I checked, I only had two people that have entered the contest. So, I think one of them was me. Did you? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I was gonna say I know one of them was a friend of mine, but I don't, I don't remember who the other one was. Now I'm, I'm checking Twitter to 
see, I, I guess I must have that t tab closed, or that column, but anyway, all that stuff's in the show notes, so even if you have trouble finding the post, it's linked to in there, but we have plenty of stories, and I got some other stuff I want to talk about at the end of the show, so let's just dive right in and talk about the FTC and how they are going to start requiring bloggers to disclose whether they have been paid or have been given freebies for reviews. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to put some structure around the current um, like pay-for-play model that goes around with writing blogs and uh, pimping other people's project uh, products. Um, but it looks like uh, what they're trying to do is saying, you know, you must disclose if they're if you're getting paid. You must disclose if you got something free. Um, you must uh, uh, say whether results are not typical or atypical uh, and uh, a lot of other things that are trying to make bloggers become more transparent. Yeah, essentially they're saying that you have to say what a typical experience of using a device or service or whatever is going to be like. And apparently from the sounds of it, they're not really going to go after the bloggers unless if it's um, they're like one of the bigger blogging sites like say uh, Engadget or TechCrunch or something like that. But if it's just a smaller blogger, then they're going to go after the advertiser instead of the blogger. But they're saying right. that the fine can be up to $11,000 if you don't disclose it. Yeah, this is going to be hard to regulate. Um, I guess this is something that's going to have to be um, someone who's going to feel that they've been hurt by uh, the false advertising and causing the purchase of product that was uh, was misleading by a blogger. So this is kind of a law that's not going to be used unless something actually happens and someone gets hurt or feels that they're wrong. So, um, But it's changing the game for some people already. Um, because these are kind of like loose regulations saying what exactly is disclosure? Uh, what exactly is uh, uh, an average claim? Uh, and saying that, you know, but we won't prosecute the little guys, only the big one that's kind of like under their breath. Uh, so there's still some, some uneasiness around uh, these new rules. Yeah, this will be... I doubt they'll really use this much unless people complain. I know there's been talk about doing something like this for a long time, and I don't know... I think usually a lot of companies have something within, like, the NDA or contract or whatever saying you must disclose this in your review that this was given to you or you're being paid to do this or whatever. I know that originally I had signed up for paperpost.com for doing stuff on the Global Geek News blog, and which I believe I think is now called like Isaiah or something like that. But originally I had signed up for that and they were and after the first round of people thinking that stuff like this needed to be disclosed, they changed their policy as to where it became a real big deal for them that you disclosed that you were getting paid to do the review and such. But I have never yeah. um, actually done anything with them. I've signed up. I've, I'm good to go if I want to. But I've never actually done anything with them, so nobody has to really worry about that. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a huge story. Um, uh, whenever someone actually does get prosecuted under this law, 
uh, at least they're saying this, not really a new law, it's just a clarifications or or an explanation of the laws that are currently on the books. Yeah, um, so this but, law's been around since like the 80s, I believe. I think it was 1980. This is just a clarification of... Oh, what's the law now? I'm trying to find it. Uh, apparently, the it's update to rules from the 80s. Uh, I'm trying to find the specific name, but I'm not seeing it. It's just general rules about advertising and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but we'll see. I mean, this is just... Either even if these are aren't you know rules in general by the FTC, these are good uh, these are good um, rules to follow anyway. Like full disclosure, I, I'm for um, people following this. I'm not sure if we need a law. I think um, uh, that's that's putting blogs in the realm of advertisement generally, just like commercials, how they have to have full disclosure. Uh, saying they, that they have to tell people that uh, you know this is advertisement, but uh, uh, blogs might be some posts might be advertisement, some might not, um, and uh, a, using the generic term blogs and bloggers, I think, is uh, kind of misleading to some people. Yeah, I for me this. I generally don't care about this. It, it it just depends on the blogger. And if it's somebody that who I know their work, I know their reputation, I trust their work and stuff, I could care less if they're getting paid to do it or if they got it for free or whatever because I know what they're about and I trust them. But if this is just your general blogger out there and I go searching for a product on Google and happen to come across their blog and know nothing about them, it would be kind of nice to have something like this just to get an idea, just to give myself a little bit more information that maybe this guy isn't being totally honest, but I, I that's just kind of how I view stuff like this. Yeah. But it's a good rule to follow. That's just, it just makes me sad that it's still a little ambiguous, ambiguous and I'm not sure if it's going to actually prevent anything that would have uh, been done anyway. Yeah. Well, speaking of good rules to follow, apparently Obama has decided to um, come up with a new rule and an an executive order that now federal employees or government, I I don't know if this includes like state employees, but just regular, or if it's just all government employees, whatever it is, 4.5 million of them are no longer allowed to text while driving. Yes. Uh, so if you own a cell phone that's provided by the government, or if you're driving a vehicle that's provided by the government, uh, you cannot text while driving either on duty or off duty. So the only time that you can do it is if you're not using a state paid for cell phone or in a, or a state or government vehicle and it's legal in your state. Those are the only... Uh, only the combination of those three together will allow you to text while driving. Yeah, I, I know there was supposedly, I guess, some kind of a summit or whatever in D.C. last week that was a lot of big industry people come together to 
from the sounds of it, just say how bad the whole idea of texting while driving is. It sounds like they're doing whatever they can to get a national law passed rather than all the states having to pass laws. And I have, and I think this is probably the first step in that direction. First big step, I should say. Yeah, there's been pressures to have states uh, ban uh, texting while driving. Um, that they're that the 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 federal government was threatening that they would re- withhold funds to states that did not comply with that. Uh, but I'm not sure whether or not uh, that was all hearsay or if that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, in the past I've always kind of tended to disagree with these laws. I mean, yeah, most people can't manage texting while driving. Some can. Most can't. But I don't know. I've generally just never been a big fan of this ban, but last week, and anybody who follows me on Twitter knows this, a friend of mine from church was apparently killed when texting while driving. Uh, From the way I understand it, from people that kind of run in the same circles as the kid did, and he he was about 20 years old, I think, but... I guess he was hauling a little uh, load of cattle for the rodeo this past weekend when he was going through a construction zone, and from what I'm told, he was texting his girlfriend who was driving behind him. He wasn't paying attention. To, there was a semi stopped in front of him, and he plowed into the semi. Oh, wow. And uh, to the point where I guess his truck that he was driving got wedged in underneath the semi, and his girlfriend hit the back of him. I guess she's fine, but he was killed instantly. Oh, that's sad. And so, from the sounds of it, I have a funeral to go to on Saturday morning. But that that's what I've heard from people in the rodeo circles, anyway. Um, i No one at church mentioned anything about that. I, I've gone to church with this kid for I don't know how many years, and his parents didn't mention anything about that when I talked to them on Sunday. I So I don't know if that's true. I, I know that he plowed into the back of the semi, but if it was if texting was the cause... They haven't said anything to me. It's just the people in the rodeo area that are saying that. But mm-hmm. I, I would assume that's probably the only real reason I could think of, unless if maybe he like fell asleep at the wheel or something. But I don't know. Now I think after this, it's kind of pushing me more towards being in favor of these bans. Yeah. Well, this is more of a policy change and less of a ban, this specifically with Obama. And it seems like... Uh that uh, Obama is pushing a lot of, you know, eating your own dog food when it comes to government spending and government policies. Um, I heard this morning that uh, he's trying to uh, try to reduce energy waste and uh, energy uh, usage uh, and, and, and government uh, and government buildings and, and vehicles also. So it seems like he's, uh, you know, trying to make sure that the government you know, practices what it preaches. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see... I haven't seen much in the way from the telcos to see what they think of this, because if people aren't using their text messages, I don't know, I guess to some extent that could be more profit for them, depending on the plan, or maybe it could be less profit for them, depending on the text messaging plan that people have. So I'm kind of curious to see where they fall on this. Hmm. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. But, well, in uh, 
slightly happier story. I don't have anything <laughs> too sad to go along with this one. Uh, apparently, some idiot decided to go into an Apple store because he was having issues with his iPhone and decided that he was so mad that he said that he was going to pop his iPhone with a 9mm right then and there. And I'm guessing the Apple employee didn't necessarily believe him, so the guy decides to then pull about his 9mm pistol and wave it around, I guess. Well, I don't think he waves it around, and I think he just revealed it underneath. Uh, it was concealed, and he moved his shirt or jacket or whatever and just let, and let it be known that he had a gun on him. Yeah, well, apparently and, this and guy had a concealed weapons permit, so... Yeah. Let that, me make a note that this was Cincinnati, Ohio, in which I did live there for a year and a half, and I know exactly where King, Kingwood Mall is, Kingwood Mall, uh, and I've been there a couple times, and I am not surprised. <laughs> hmm. Well, apparently after that, the employee, who stayed calm and everything, went and told the tech to work on the phone, and then went and told the manager that the guy had a gun and was threatening to shoot his iPhone in the store. So the manager called the cops. Cops came and arrested him for aggravated menacing, causing fear of harm, and there's a possibility that he could be brought up on weapons charges too because he didn't disclose the gun that he, the fact that he had the gun to the deputy when the deputy arrested him. So I don't understand that. Like, was he denying that he had a gun? That, that part is the little phasey, the, you know, the fuzzy part for me. Was he denying that he had the gun? Is that the issue? Or, or what? Because I know the first thing you have to see... Well, I guess Texas concealed law might be different than Ohio. But the first thing you have to say when you are pulled over or confronted is no matter what the reason, you have to say, hey, I do have a gun on me. And also, the concealed laws here in Texas... Um, you're not supposed to ever show you have a gun. Mm-hmm. The only time that you pull out, the only time you show your gun is when you're about to use it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the concealed weapons laws are like around here. I know I was looking into getting a concealed weapons permit a while back, and I just never have gone to take the class and go get it yet. But I'm sure you have to disclose that you have it or whatever. And if you don't, disclose it right away, then you could get in trouble for it. Yeah, which exactly. I assume seems to be the the big thing here. I'm guessing they're all pretty similar, because I think uh, they all have, like, repro- reciprocity across multiple states. You mm-hmm. have a, a concealed carry license, uh, a CHL. Uh, yeah. But this guy is just stupid. <laughs> and, there's, and, and I hope they revoke his license and... Uh, Especially in the manner in which he was stating. Uh, it's probably not the first time that he said something like that to someone else. Hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And in the bottom of the link for this story, there's a little news video that goes along with this. I didn't take a second to really watch it, but he would look like a guy that would maybe be a <laughs> violent person, kind of, just from looking at his mugshot. Yeah, well, most likely he doesn't have a... Most likely he doesn't have a record, or else he probably wouldn't be able to have a CDL, but either way, he's stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of potentially stupid things, apparently Amazon has clarified its book deletion policy for the Kindle, and apparently it can still delete your Kindle pretty much whenever. 
I guess now the official rules are that there's a kill switch for if you ask for a refund, if your credit card is declined, if they're if whatever book it is has some sort of malware or something and is a threat to their network, which why they would let it get through the network and onto your Kindle at that point it seems kind of dumb to me anyway, or by court order. So it wouldn't surprise me too much if we see this whole thing happen again, but I sure I certainly hope not. Well, I, I think it won't happen again. Um, not any time in the near future. Um, the reason for that is, unless they change formats. If they change book formats, mm-hmm. there's a possibility. But I'm sure after the whole 1984 debacle, they have redoubled their efforts on how they vet uh, their licensing for the content for the Kindle, which um, put, probably put a procedure in place to make sure something like this doesn't happen. But uh, when procedures change for different formats, that's probably when there's a they have to reinvent the wheel and make sure that things are done correctly, and that's probably the opportunity where something like this might happen again. But I think they got a pretty big black eye from from what happened before, and they were going to do everything they can to make sure something like this does not happen. Now, I believe the boy that filed the suit, not only did the clarification come from that, but he, I think he also got like $150,000 in the settlement or whatever. Really? Yeah. That, that's outrageous. Yeah, for Amazon taking his notes or whatever. Even though, when Amazon offered to everybody to put 1984, and I, I'm not sure if they um, sent back the other book to, which I can't even think of what it was, but when they put back 1984, they said that you'll get your notes and stuff back too. So, I would, I would have thought that at that point his case kind of would have fell apart, but to get a $150,000 settlement kind of surprised me. Well, the thing is that it's probably was time sensitive when this happened. He probably yeah. had paper due or something like that and the time has passed for when he could have turned it in. Um, and now he has something on his permanent record about him not turning in the assignment on time. Yeah. Now he won't get into Harvard and become a doctor and find the cure for AIDS. So, <laughs> yeah. That's probably why he got the money. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully things hopefully they don't end up with the huge mess again, but Well they're know. learning. The good thing is other people are hopefully learning from them too and make sure that this doesn't happen on other platforms other than the Kindle. Yeah. Well speaking of bad ideas mm-hmm. apparently the whole idea of the global gaming factory buying out the Pirate Bay has finally sunk and gone down the tubes. Yeah, this was a pocket veto by uh, Global Gaming Factory. Um, They didn't outright say they're not going to buy the Pirate Bay. They just silently didn't transfer the funds and let the the deadline pass. Yeah, this kind of didn't surprise me at all, especially when the guy had his boat repossessed, his car repossessed, and apparently when the money didn't go through, people tried to contact him to find out what was going on if the sale was officially dead or whatever his phone had been disconnected mm-hmm. and he was last I knew he was still wanted for um, all of his back taxes and stuff so this doesn't surprise me at all and I'm actually kind of happy about this well 
Actually, it sounds like the kind of person you want running the Pirate Bay, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was a bad decision all the way around, and then one thing after another, then, the sh- uh, then they got kicked out of their... They're, they got delisted. Um, yeah. We both saw this coming. Well, there's been a lot of news around the whole... around the Pirate Bay in this past week anyway. I mean, there, for the most part, there hadn't hardly been much in the way of any news this past week. That's why some of these stories aren't quite as wonderful as normal. But um, around the Pirate Bay, there's been a whole bunch of stories. I mean, there's this that it, they didn't get sold... Then they ended up having to move their all their servers and stuff over to the Ukraine after they got disconnected or whatever in Sweden. Well, now the Breen has gone through and disconnected one... It's not the ISP that the Pirate Bay is using in the Ukraine, but it's apparently somebody whose traffic it goes over. So whatever... Um, I'm guessing it's somebody like towards the backbone or something like that, one of the ISPs there. I guess they managed to talk him into blocking the Pirate Bay's traffic, so now no one can get to the Pirate Bay. Although, that's going to change, I'm told, by tomorrow, where they're going to have four new transit routes starting tomorrow. And apparently this was a possibility of happening anyway, and I guess part of the downtime is something with their new hosting company. But, yeah, they're having... They're just having a bad week, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a possibility that the Pirate Bay may uh, do what the UN couldn't and uh, help all these countries join forces for one common cause. Yeah. Well, if there's one thing that seems to be happening right now, I've noticed, is that there seems to be pirate parties sprouting everywhere. I believe Canada has a good one going now uh, in the German elections in the past you mean uh, not like the Windows 7 party you're talking about like political parties right 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 <laughs> um, but in Germany I don't remember what the percentage of the vote they got was in the election like a week or two ago I think it was like 6 or 7 percent or or maybe it wasn't quite that much but it, it was something cons- sizable like that not enough to get a seat in the parliament or anything like that Apparently there's even a um, big movement down in Australia, too. So this is... It seems like ever since the whole Pirate Bay trial, the whole Pirate Party is a, just exploded all around the globe. And I think that the more company, the more organizations like the Breen try and fight this, the bigger that party's going to get. Yeah, it's, it seems like the Internet is one large level playing field for everyone and people and movements like this can get started because of it and uh, people's awareness level um, a lot of walls are coming down because of the freedom of information and I understand how that can be very very liberating and at the same time can move people to not want to give it up uh, once they do understand uh, what is out there and how it's easily obtained uh, but, I mean, laws are laws. I understand that. Um, and let's if if if, but they do have the right idea, saying that if they do truly want this information to be free, let's just change the laws and make it free. Yeah. 
Well, oh, and one little thing I just thought I'd throw in there since it crossed my mind. My my prediction for the PSP Go hacking was mm-hmm. a little bit off because it was actually hacked two days after it came out, and they've already got like Hello World and stuff running on the PSP Go. Haha, I knew it. So, <laughs> I I I was giving Sony some a little bit more credit than they were due. I guess I figured maybe with this whole system they would have things changed around, but apparently whatever um, poll it is that they used is in, a, in an existing game, and right now they're not revealing what that game is because they don't want Sony to go through and patch it right away. At least yeah. not until they get something um, decent running on there, like a e-boot loader or something like that. But I was wrong. The prediction, my prediction of a month or whatever was way off. I should have known better because usually they've have it hacked within 24 hours, but... What did I say? Did I say three days? What was that? What was my estimate? Mm, I don't remember what yours was. I think it was a couple of weeks, but I don't remember. Oh, no, no, no. I'll, oh, I'll no. I'll have to go back and check. Maybe yeah, it was like a listen. week or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to have to listen to that, see what, see what I said. Yeah, but yeah, I was... I was a little off, so... Well, and it came from a hacker that I hadn't... that I've heard of, but nothing that has never done anything quite this big and apparently he's not really releasing much in the way of details I guess I guess it came from a game where they were working on it on an exploit for it a long time ago but a better exploit came along for an older for I think it was like the PSP 3000 or whatever So and they moved on to that well he's gone back and worked on this old exploit since that's the only known one I guess as of right now but anyway, back to all of our piracy stuff. Right. It's now time time to talk about the top of the pyramid piracy, a scene group that has been apparently shut down, or I guess they've been forced to apologize and spread some fud thanks to the Swedish Anti-Piracy Bureau. <laughs> yeah, they said that uh, basically, yeah, we've been caught. It's bad. Don't do it. If you're doing it, stop doing it. Don't end up like us. <laughs> yeah, and basically they're telling the other scene groups, which I'll, ex- I'll explain the whole um, pyramid of piracy here in a second, and that's going to be a couple minutes long because it's not a fast dis- discussion. But um, basically all they had to message all the other um, scene groups and tell them that none of you are safe and that chances are they'll come after you too. Yeah. All your bases belonging to us. Well, what kind of surprised me (laughs) is that apparently this scene group has been around for, I guess it's nine years now, so close to a decade. And up until now they had never managed to be cracked into or infiltrated or detected or anything. But... For those of you that don't know what the um, piracy pyramid is, I'll do my best to explain it. So, at the very top of the piracy pyramid, you have these what are called scene groups. They're the ones that generally leak all of the content onto the internet. They're the ones that are usually going into the movie theaters and getting cams of the movies. They're usually the ones that get copies of like CDs that haven't been released yet and stuff like that, and they're the ones that generally trade amongst themselves, and after a little bit... And, oh, and these guys are 
extremely secretive. Like I said, with this one, they went undetected and uninfiltrated for ten years. Or, well, nine years or whatever. But with these guys, they use encryption on everything, chats and everything, as to where it's almost impossible to get into these things. And when they do, they're usually just a real tight group of like a dozen people or something like that that are transferring like terabytes of data back and forth between each other and everything just for the fun of it or whatever. So when these groups get taken down, it usually involves like six or seven different countries and all their officials and everything to take these groups down and they do it all at once and everything. But anyway, um, they're just generally very restrictive, very private. It's extremely difficult to get into one of these things. So if you ever have the opportunity, I would say go for it, but be aware you'll probably you might end up in prison for it because that's what they seem to go after the most. But anyway, working our way down the piracy pyramid, it, the next level would be more of the for the sake of argument, we'll just use BitTorrent for the rest of this. And the next group would basically be your private trackers out there, which generally is where I stay. Um, then you'll have... I wouldn't throw... I, I would um, almost divide this into two different sections. Like a more... Like a, a private one that's a little bit more public and one that's actually a private... Um, tracker where you have to know somebody to get in there and in most cases they have to vouch for you they have to give up a certain amount of like their share ratio and they have to stick their neck out for you and say hey this guy is, will be good for the community we should let him in and if you go in and don't seed stuff or whatever you end up and basically you break the rules or whatever it can com come back and haunt the guy that invited you in there and they can get kicked out and so and it's generally a you have to know somebody to get in there and that as to where they're generally hard to get into this is kind of where I tend to be most of the time is there's some sites I won't mention the names of them that I've managed to get into that are real private like this and Generally, they're real nice experiences because then you get faster uploads and people upload stuff real fast. And like TV shows, they'll show up the same night as they air and stuff. It's real nice. Then a little bit below that, in the kind of a second, in the lower tier of this part of the pyramid, is your private sites that are open to anybody at certain times. That's where you have like your demonoids and stuff where they're private most of the time, but like one weekend a month or something like that, they'll open up to anybody. So you have more of a risk of having somebody like the RIAA or MPA or something like that infiltrate it just because the one weekend a month or whatever, they can still get in there compared to um, the area where I tend to be, where it's basically everybody has to be vouched for, and that's kind of how these things stay safe. But then at the bottom at the final the bottom level is of the pyramid is where you have like your pirate bays where everything is open to everybody. You can be watched by anybody, RIAA, um, MPAA, Breen, FP, whoever. And that's where most people are cuz they don't tend to get into the upper levels. 
and that's that's where most of the lawsuits for the common people go. And they really go hard after the scene groups if they can, but they're so hard to break into that they'll often be investigating them for a couple of years before they can do anything. Whereas just catching somebody on the pirate bay will take you all of a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. But that that that's just kind of how the um, pyramid works, as to where everybody at the bottom can get access to anything. Ten stuff tends to be a whole lot slower in terms of transfer, just because you have you're having to deal with so many people, and a lot of whom don't do their sharing and stuff. So that's just kind of the piracy pyramid. I've been meaning to explain this for a while, but the it takes a while to explain, so I never have gotten around to it. This was a great uh, blog post right now, waiting to happen. Yeah, I've been meaning to write on it too. Hopefully, I'll maybe I'll try and get that up sometime this week. I don't know. I've actually kind of just this afternoon just kind of been kicking around the idea of doing a like a weekly piracy podcast because I mean we do so much stuff on yeah. the Pirate Bay and everything every week anyway. There seems to be plenty of stuff that I could probably just do a weekly piracy podcast. I would totally, I would agree with you. I mean, um, like Torn Freak, they have their own little podcast too, right? Yeah, I don't think they do it on like a, any kind of a regular ba- basis, maybe like once a month or something like that. They have like a little video podcast that they do. But I, I can't say I've ever really watched it much. But Yeah, I've, I've just saw it there, I clicked play once. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. We should, uh, we should get that done, or you should. I don't know if you wanted to co-host on that, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of kicking around some ideas because I really want to get the whole geek podcasting network growing and going again. So I, that's just kind of one of my ideas that I'm kicking around. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it just yet. But anyway, speaking of ideas that no one knows quite what's going to happen yet. Apparently the Department of Defense is kicking around an idea for a new policy that would allow troops to use social networks like Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, when I read the title of this, which says draft policy would okay troops to tweet, I was thinking, what? There's going to be a policy on the draft? Yeah, that's what I thought (laughs) at first, too. (laughs) Scared the heck out of me. I was like, okay, so we'd get the tweet if we get drafted? Uh, But no, no, no. This is stating that they're finally have a concrete way of uh, not only uh, letting uh, troops get on the Web 2.0 ecosystem, but also to endorse it. Yeah, this is kind of surprising. I mean, earlier this summer we we talked about on here that apparently there was some ideas going around that they were going to block all social networks. Then about a week later the Marines came out and blocked all social networks and everybody's kind of been real nervous about it and not really liking the idea because using stuff like Facebook is a large way that a lot of people keep in touch with um, military that's overseas and stuff, which is how I keep in touch with my with one of my best friends who's in Iraq right now. Is He's on Facebook almost every day over there and if we had to go back to email at would really suck. But. Yeah, um, it's it's becoming integral and integrated into people's lives, and it's hard for someone to go off to the military and then sever all those connections from people back home. Uh, nobody writes letters anymore. I mean, didn't we have a, sto- a story on how people are losing 
the ability to write cursives. I, I, I don't think we we talked about it, but I think we, yeah, we yeah, it's just amazing. I think we talked about it, but I don't think we had a particular story for it, if I recall. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know much of anybody that writes actual letters anymore. It seemed like I was involved in a discussion the other day about writing an actual letter, and it seemed like I was the only one who maybe had never actually taken the time to write an actual letter ever. I don't. Not even in like uh, not even when you're in elementary school and your teacher asks you to write a nice like letter for Mother's Day or anything like that. As far as I can remember, I don't think I've ever actually written a letter. I mean, there may have been some that I've typed up and stuff on occasion, but I don't think I've ever ever written one. Oh, wow. I don't think, anyway. I certainly have never written one in cursive. Oh, yeah. That would be rare. Um... I, I just personally don't write in cursive because I just have really horrible handwriting that just makes it wrong. I, I've just always had a hard time reading cursive for some reason. And the other day I was looking on... Uh, I can't even remember the name of the site. Whatever it is, it's the site that's supposed to be auctioning off um, Gene Roddenberry's old Apple computer. Well, apparently... Wasn't that just eBay? That wasn't eBay? No, I think it was like historiesdocuments.com or something to that effect. But on that site, they also auction off a bunch of different things, or maybe it's Profiles in History. Let me look through here through my favorites. Uh, yeah, profilesinhistory.com is where that's going to be on sale from. But they also sell various documents signed and written by presidents and stuff. And just trying to go in there and trying to read some of the president's handwriting, you can tell it's nice handwriting, but half of it I couldn't read just because I have always had a real hard time reading cursive. Yeah. yeah but, very different. But if you have a lot of money and you want to buy some old presidential documents or something, Profiles in History is the site for you. But don't look for any major bargains because most of the stuff on there isn't cheap. Well, full circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, saying that the, the government... Um, Looks like they're, they're, this is still a draft. They're hoping to get it approved. They don't expect any resistance. So in the next couple of weeks, we should find out whether or not this has gone through or not. Yeah, so we'll be sure to update in a couple of weeks once we hear anything. I'm kind of curious to see what the reaction specifically of the Marines would be considering they went through and banned all social networks a couple of months ago. Well, I'm sure if they're allowed to tweet and uh, write blog posts and post on Facebook, we should find out in many different networks how they feel about it. I hope so. But... And... Speaking of fights... I couldn't really come up with a real good segue, but I guess that's as good as any. Um, The new round has begun in the whole Palm Pre-iTunes sinking... um, Tit for tat. Yeah. Apparently, after... Apple went and disabled Sync for the Palm Pre again, and the USB Implementers Forum told Palm that it's not allowed to disguise its Palm Pre as an Apple iPod in the USB specification or codes or whatever. Well, apparently now Palm has released another firmware that re-enables iTunes Sync. And not only... 
that, yeah, okay. but apparently now you can even sync your photos. Yeah, they took it one step further. They're saying, okay, now that we're not allowed to do this, we're just going to just boldface break it and just go for it. And so since the gloves are off, at least on the palm side, since they've exhausted all their legitimate means of getting what they want done, um, I think right now they're just, they want to be sued. They, they're, they're asking to be sued by Apple, and I don't think Palm has the coffers to go toe-to-toe with such a big company. Like, I don't know how much they'd get sued by Apple, but I would, from the looks of things, I wouldn't be surprised if they get in big trouble with like the USB implementers for them and end up with maybe like a fine from them or maybe mm-hmm. um, get kicked out of or have their... Um, applications or whatever kicked out of whatever system that they have set up. Now, Apple has to sue them. Else, some knockoff Chinese third party is going to come out with this rinky-dink MP3 player and says it works with iTunes. And it will. Because they can do the same thing that Palm did. They have to have some sort of deterrent to anyone else doing the same thing that Palm is doing, so they have to sue them. Well, aren't, isn't there an art? Isn't there already several Chinese iPhone knockoffs that do that? That sync with iTunes? No, not that I know of. Uh, I know there's several Chinese knockoffs, but I don't know of any that sync with iTunes. I just assumed they would sync with iTunes, but I didn't know. No, not that I know of. But yeah, now it's back on Apple. We'll see just how soon they bring out a new update for iTunes to break this again. Well, the question is, since they've gone full force and to work around this problem Palm has mm-hmm. and even to the point where they added additional functionality I wonder if they're going as far that Apple cannot do an update that will break the Palm and not break their other devices well it kind of makes me wonder two things one it kind of makes me wonder if they've hired DVD John because he's been publicly publicly giving them advice on how to get around this stuff and be able to sync with iTunes the second is that, and all of a sudden I lost my train of thought. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> mm, what was I thinking about? I don't know. Well, I know they did have the, they did hire someone from Apple to work uh, for Palm. Yeah. Oh, now I remember what the other thought was. I'm wondering if maybe whatever changes that um, Apple is making, they're not necessarily doing it in order to intentionally break the sync with I, with um, the Palm Pre, more is that's just kind of a happy side effect, because I know, um, oh, what was it that, um, I was trying to think of the example, but, I mean, there's been several other instances where there's third-party software on something, and, oh, now I remember what it is, the whole thing with um, the Apple TV and oh what is that boxy there we go I'm I'm only a little tired tonight folks so it's not too bad <laughs> but when app when Apple TV went and released an update it for a couple of days there broke boxy I don't and from my understanding they didn't intentionally break boxy it just kind of happened as a result of whatever changes they made I'm kind of wondering if that's just the case here, and then that Palm just has to keep 
keep fixing things every time Apple breaks them. Uh, I would disagree. Just because, you know, with the software on Apple TV, they can rearrange everything on the software to break Boxy. But when you're talking about a device connecting to software, that should still go through the same kind of mechanism. Um, and I can see how there's it's it's harder to break uh, a device connecting to software than software that lives on the same device. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of I kind of wish we had like an insider that would that knew all of what was going on and how this has worked and stuff. Well, we'll find out when they go to trial because I I I can almost guarantee you that Apple is going to sue them. Yeah, although I'm sure they'll probably end up settling out of court, because at this point I'm not even sure that Palm really has the money to go up against Apple. Yeah. From the sounds of it, the pre is kind of a failure anyway, so I don't know how much longer Palm will be around. I wouldn't say it's a failure. It's just not an out-and-out winner. Um, I think there's still uh, some advocates in the pre-camp, and uh, the Pixie's going to be out soon. Um, we'll just have to see. I mean, they they are just not courting developers, and um, apps are where it's at, and um, they are they're not helping that cause on that front of getting the developers on board to help generate enough free apps uh, for people to 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 want make the pre more attractive. Well, and I think part of the problem too is their SDK. I know we've talked about in the past that the SDK isn't powerful enough for game developers because they can't take advantage right. of the hardware and if they can't take advantage of the hardware they can't really like run games and stuff on it so that kind of really limits it and when you look at something like the iPhone or whatever the biggest selling stuff is the games rather than your flashlights and tip calculators and everything else yeah exactly if uh, not I mean at least accessing some of the the hardware capabilities to do some decent graphics on a good calculator or something like that is still not even a possibility. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that can that can take advantage of newer graphics stuff, let's talk a little bit about Windows 7 and how your free upgrades, assuming you've purchased a Vista machine within the past, what is it, month or two, and qualified for a free upgrade, well, apparently it might not be free after all. Yes, you have to pay for some OEMs anyway. Shipping, handling, and a processing fee. Yeah, plus tax if maybe that applies in your area. Um, The ones... There's a chart on the link in the show notes that shows kind of who's paying for what, and some of it doesn't quite make sense, but companies like Acer, eMachines, and Gateway, there are no extra fees... Um, Lenovo, there's a $17.03 fee for everybody. Um, companies yeah, like... Which com- is one of the highest of everyone. Yeah. And they, it's mandatory across the board. Yeah. Well, and then companies like HP and Compact, it's free for most people, but apparently others pay like 13 bucks for the first kit, which I don't really understand what that means. I, But I didn't really look into it too much. But apparently those free upgrades aren't going to totally be free, unless, of course, you participate and win in the um, Global Geek News Windows 7 Ultimate giveaway, in which case, then it will be free. 
Right. And so the licenses technically are free. It's the it's the material and the discs that are what's costing money. So I don't know why none of these OEMs have a download option. Yeah. Well, that, that that's one of my questions at first. And at the same time, I know shipping is not 17 bucks. I not don't, for a disc anyway. Yeah. So you know they've got to be making money on this somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, or at least some of them are. Apparently, Acer, E-Machines, and Gateway, which is all basically Acer, um, apparently they're the only real nice ones that nobody pays anything for. Well, I always heard that it was there was going to be some charge for it, possibly, from the OEMs. Microsoft was saying it's free, and we're providing them free to the OEMs, but the OEMs may still charge for delivery and shipping and so on and so forth. I remember that from the beginning, so this is less of a shock to me. Um, the the amount, uh, I wouldn't call the price nominal when you're saying that mm-hmm. uh, seventeen bucks. That's 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 not the price of business. That's actually um, for something that it says you'll get it free when it comes out. Seventeen bucks sounds like a hassle. Yeah, I. It just doesn't seem. The amount doesn't seem right. And if you're going to charge seventeen bucks, why are you charging an extra three cents? That seems a little strange <laughs> too. Yeah. Then again, I've never been a whole big fan of like the twelve ninety nine thing. Just throw on right. a penny and make it call it thirteen bucks. And I don't know. I guess that's some kind of a marketing thing. I I've never understood it. Well, Lenovo is a Chinese company, so maybe that seventeen oh three is just uh, after conversion. It's actually something more of a round number. Yeah, that could be. But yeah, I. See, this is why I prefer Acer machines. I mean, that's kind of what I tend to get anyway. And this doesn't have all of the manufacturers on here. Like, Asus isn't on here and stuff like that. So, I I don't know if there's a more complete list, but the link in the show notes has a list of some of the more common ones, like Dell and stuff, which Dell is going to be free for everybody. So, I'm sure there will be a lot of happy people there. Yeah. But what's good? I mean, Dell needs some of the good wi- goodwill uh, on their side. Um, what's amazing is that uh, HP is not jumping on that, but they're number one right now, so I guess they can take a little hit with the twelve ninety nine. Yeah. Well, I've never been a big fan of Dell, so if they charged a whole bunch of money, went out of business because of it, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> but anyway, last story, because we are. Running a little bit long here, thanks to my um, explanation of the piracy pyramid. Our final story comes from the land down under, where apparently they have all their um, power supply or the power grid system running on Windows machines, which apparently got infected with the w32.virit.cf virus, and apparently it was starting to take over the computers in the control room. Well, I guess some quick-thinking IT people grabbed their Linux development machines, which I guess are basically the same, use the same kind of stuff, just maybe what they're using for development, so it might have a couple extra features or whatever. Quickly throw them in place of the Windows machines so that the system wouldn't be completely taken over by this virus. Yes, uh... Quick thinking in which they were able to fix this fire, but uh, poor thinking because apparently their network uh, wasn't segregated from 
from their critical systems to the the general network. Yeah, that that's kind of scary. You'd think that something like that, they would want to make sure that the machines that are running the electrical gli- electrical grid are separate from everything else, especially anything <laughs> that's connected to the internet. Yeah, especially a couple of months ago, with the U.S. Got, uh, announced that their electrical grid got hacked into. Yeah, well, apparently this particular virus is something that Symantec describes as a particularly sinister file infector. So I'm guessing that's kind of how it spread from one computer to the other. Yeah, I wonder if it was from the internet or if it was just some, you know, someone coming in with their USB key and plugging it in. Well, what really gets me is that apparently they must not be running any antivirus or anything on these systems because apparently there's been virus definitions for this virus since February for all the major antivirus companies. So they must not have been running any antivirus on this, otherwise it would have been spotted and deleted right away. Yeah, I hope they got a really good talking to. I mean, this story was spun into more of a success story for Linux instead of what the true story was, was a failure of an IT department. Yeah, I think somebody needs to get fired over this one. Yeah, definitely. Or, I mean, they just don't pay them enough, and they just got someone off the street. Sometimes the IT, the head of the IT department is the person who's closest to the computer, and I wonder if that was the case here. Yeah. Well, apparently nobody's power was affected during the whole incident, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, so Crest um, is averted, but obviously uh, if someone wrote about it, <laughs> yeah, it, it, this has gotten out already. So, well, I'm I'm kind of curious now if they're going to switch over entirely to Linux so they don't have to worry about this kind of problem again. That's true. If they're already developing on Linux and they're able to put a Linux box right on the network, uh, and things were still working, why not? That makes sense to me. Yeah. But anyway, that would be all of our stories for this week, and yeah, we're running a little long, but not too long. Uh, like I said, don't forget to check out the Global Geek News Windows 7 Ultimate giveaway. The link is in the show notes. So if you happen to be one of the people that's looking, that's getting a free upgrade but are facing a $17.03 fee, um, give it a, give this a shot because as of last time I checked, only two people had registered, so your odds of getting a copy of Windows 7 Ultimate are actually pretty good. and don't forget to tell your friends about it and stuff like that too which you should be telling them about the podcast anyway but um, that's all I have to say about that Um, my house, my Windows 7 house party stuff was supposed to have shipped today so um, depending on if I get 32 bit 64 bit whatever I might be giving that away too if I only get a 32 bit if I get a 64 bit too then I won't but if it's 32, I will give that one away as well, most likely. So there could be a possibility of two giving away. Don't forget the competition. The entries must be in by 10 o'clock Eastern this coming Monday night, which is what is that? The 12th, I believe. So make sure to get those in. Um, I'm kind of wondering if maybe the whole must be able to show proof that you're subscribed to the podcasting is maybe 
a little bit too much of a barrier to entry, so I might be dropping that. I did drop the um, requirement last week that you had to have commented on something on the blog, so I might drop that and see if we get a few more people entering into the contest. Right, and the request for that nude photo, I'm glad you struck that out. That was... I mean, yeah, it, it it had to go. I was just getting some entries from some really ugly people, and that that just had to go. Right. But, I told you one of those entries were mine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, oh, yeah, I was going to mention something about the Geek Podcasting Network. If you guys happen to have a podcast, would like it, or needing some hosting or whatever. Shoot me an email, pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com, which is where you can also send um, your comments, suggestions, stuff like that for the show. But shoot me an email. I'm looking to host some podcasts on the Geek Podcasting Network. Maybe I'm trying to. I'm shooting around the idea of getting a whole big podcasting network going. So if you fit into that category and are looking for a hosting, and down the road I'm looking to maybe get like some advertising across all shows on the network or something like that and possibly so this could possibly turn into a money making kind of thing shoot me an email I'd like to hear from you um, don't also don't forget to check out the blog globalgeeknews.com slash blog and like I've said several times already the show notes are at globalgeeknews.com you can follow me on twitter at pcnerd37 you are wesley83 on twitter yep and that I think that's about everything for this week. Anything that you can think of that's going on? Uh, no, I think everything right now is we're going to be seeing the build-up up to the 7 launch, which is in a couple of weeks. And so I, I, my guess is we're going to see a lot of peripherals and product releases uh, that are going to come out saying that they're 7 ready and prime the network for people to purchase accessories when they go to the store to buy their computers. So I think we're going to see some really good stories coming up. Yeah, I hope so. Speaking of which, I, I think I saw today on, I don't, know, was, uh, I don't know what site it came from, it was something in my RSS reader of Microsoft showing off uh, kind of a prototype multi-touch mouse that looked really weird. But I think that was maybe on TechCrunch or something like that. But mm, I missed that one. It, well, if, if, if that's any indication, maybe we'll have some better news next week because this week was just not much in the way of real big news or at least not any real big confirmed news I suppose you could call the whole Comcast NBC thing big news but not until it's yeah. confirmed as far as I'm concerned yeah I don't think that's going to happen eh, I think it will but I don't know I'm kind of curious to see because Comcast has been building up their chest of money for a while to make an, a major acquisition I'm kind of surprised it was NBC but anyway that's it for this week's show also the show on the that would normally come out on the 20th, I'm not sure if that'll come out on the 20th or what. We've got a, some scheduling issues that we need to figure out there because on the 19th, which is our normal recording night, I've got a concert. So just so you guys have a heads up on that. And we will see you guys next week. Later.